This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing the Godfather at chumpacasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blue Moon. You saw me standing alone. Hello and welcome to the Man City Show. Unfortunately, host Nigel Rothband can't be with us today. So I'm Stephen Allwise and I'm taking his place. Delighted this week to be joined by three guests. First up, we have Stuart Brodkin. Hello. We have Joe Doherty. Evening. And making his long-awaited debut on the podcast is Matt Jones. Hi, everyone. So welcome to all of you. Just before we get going, Matt, if you could just introduce yourself to the listeners, tell us why you're a City fan, do you remember your first game, etc. Yeah, sure. So, uh, hi, everyone. Um, I've been a blue since I can remember, really. It's, uh, it's gone throughout the whole of the generations of the family. My first game, I seem to remember, was Leicester back at Main Road. And I seem to recall a priceless comment um, when Ian Bishop was uh, warming up, saying, oh, God, he's got big hair. And uh, I think that stuck with the family ever since. Um, still a season ticket holder. Um, go to all the games, get to as many away games as I possibly can. Um, tricky times at the moment, but still a, a smiley blue as ever happier than against Leicester all those years ago yeah just about see I remember my first game we lost 2-1 at home to Barnsley and one of the Whitley brothers scored but I can't remember which one that says it all I think we should probably get going and I guess there's only one place to start and that is with the under 18s who reached the youth cup final against Leicester winning 5-1 on aggregate now Stuart you were saying off air that you were there I wasn't yeah. so did anyone impress you did the team play uh, well a couple, of, a couple of players definitely um, it was a pre- first of all it was a pretty defensive di- display um, they didn't go all out for a, for a goal or two early on uh, but that, you know with a three goal advantage from the first leg there was no need to do that I thought Brandon Barker on, out on the left was absolutely brilliant he's got a touch of arrogance. Some of our older listeners might remember Dave Wagstaff. He looks a bit like Dave Wagstaff. He's probably better than Dave Wagstaff even now. But, you know, Dave was a good player too. Um, he's got a touch of arrogance, as I say, which is, I think is necessary these days. And Angelino, 
and uh, Felinho at the back was also brilliant. A very aggressive uh, fullback. Um, he scored a hat trick the other week, apparently. But the, they did did they did absolutely what was necessary to get through. Uh, Manuel Pellegrini, please note. Yeah, I watched it on ITV4, and I was very impressed with those two players as well. Um, you were saying about how Angelino got the hat trick the other week. When I saw that, I was slightly worried. You know, goal scoring left backs, where have we seen that before? Kolarov, let's hope he's not a new one. But I watched the game and he defended very well as yeah, also. And, you know, left backs isn't somewhere we've got an abundance of quality at the moment, especially after another game recently, which saw Clichy play quite poorly. So hopefully we'll see him in the team sooner rather than later. So is, is that the next step up then, do you think, straight into the first-team squad or would a loan perhaps be beneficial? I think the problem nowadays is that, you know, years ago um, when there was no Premier League or even at the beginning of the Premier League, you'd blood a few players at the back end of the season. But now there's so much resting on each position in the Premier League. I think it's something like a million pounds uh, per place uh, that no manager's willing to forfeit, um, you know, a place in the league. Uh, and blood a youngster but it's wrong in my opinion they should take a chance on a couple of these guys I think it's tricky at the moment though let's not forget we are in serious danger of finishing outside the top four now mm. um, and I think it would be quite a risk there's, there's loads of talk of Mangala just being given the last six games of the season see them out and I think if we start blooding the youngsters like Angelino and Co yeah they've got heart they've got spirit and they want to show they're good players but we have to seriously consider whether or not this is a little step too far and let's guarantee that fourth position first and I think, I think that's right because people underestimate at times the gap between playing reserve team football in front of 200 people at Hyde and then making that step up, even if you handpicked a game for someone like Angelino and said, OK, at home to QPR where we're expected to attack a lot of the time. I still think that step up is huge. And I think I'd just like to touch on what you mentioned then, Stuart, how, yeah, it was a defensive game, but actually with all the talk of managers at the moment, Vieira got it absolutely spot on. He reminded me a little bit of Mourinho and his tactics mm. during that game because actually he knew what he had to do. He delivered it and he got it done. Mm-hmm. So we've got, this, that's a two-legged final against Chelsea. The first that's leg right. is coming up very soon. So if you can get down to support that group, the under-18s, then I'd certainly recommend it because there's a lot of talent there. So that's a positive to start the show, but I guess there is only one place to go now, and that is with events at Old Trafford. Stuart, did City deserve anything from the game? Not really, no. I mean, games don't last seven minutes, that's the problem. Um, I thought we opened up brilliantly, I thought we were on the front foot, I thought we just passed the ball very, very well, like in the olden days, you know, two or three years ago. Uh, even last season, we were passing the ball brilliantly. But, and, the, and the sort of tempo was... Usually you can tell from the early stages of any City game how the game's going to develop by the tempo that we set in the first 10, 15 minutes. We scored a fantastic goal, a brilliant move, which left Aguero with a tap-in. Once United had equalised, I, was I still wasn't that worried, but once the second goal went in, we just collapsed. So we started well, pressed high, yeah. passed the ball and moved the ball at tempo, which is what we do when we're playing at our best. Why did we stop that after 20 minutes? Why could we not carry that on? I think United just wanted it more. You know, We've seen derbies in the past when we were up and coming, we really wanted to overtake them. We've gone all out to humiliate them. I think they want to do the same, put us back in our place. You know, they've had a couple of years of shitty little city being the kingpins in the city and now, you know, they wanted to put us back in their place and they clearly wanted it more. I mean, I said before the game, 
like everyone writing us off straight away, I said, if we turn up for the game, which has been the case all season, mostly complacency, if we turn up for the game, we should be fine. First seven minutes, I thought, brilliant, we have turned up. But after that, I don't really know what happened. It just, just went, didn't it? So what does that tell you about our squad and our players that having started so well, as soon as we ship a goal, we then fall to pieces? And what does that indicate from our squad? It's a good question. Um, I guess... Overall, had we been on a winning streak um, and actually not lost five of the previous seven before that, I think mentality would have been totally different. I think the way the goal, the first goal in particular, came about, you know, it was quite a lucky rebound. No idea where the ball was, and there you go, the crowd are on our back. They, I don't know what it says about the players, but it just they gave up in a way, and I, I don't understand. Looking at their willingness to run around and the way the ball was being passed around them, it, something just didn't click and they switched off completely. Well, a similar thing happened at Crystal Palace last week. I mean, obviously we weren't in front, but we were really playing well in that game, really dominating, creating chances, opening them up. As soon as, soon as the goal went in, it just went for us. And second half, we were really poor. So maybe, it's, maybe the team's got this, they're low on confidence at the moment and maybe the goals conceding just don't really help the team. And um, When you concede goals like that, especially in a big game, it's going to knock you off your balance. And it looked like they had a plan for the first few minutes, but then once you concede so quickly, your plan's gone, isn't it? I think it was an ideal time for United to play us. Um, we're out of form, like we just said. But in, you know, in previous years, over the years, down the years, um, the form book's gone out of the window in the, in the derby game. And we've always, that's been our big game of the season. I don't think our players treated it like our big game of the season. Beating United is, is a highlight for every City fan, whether we win the league or we get relegated. You know, beating United twice or even once was, was a major, a major achievement. But we didn't seem to have that spirit that, that's taken us, even when we were rubbish, you know, 10 years ago, we could beat United on our day. So without wishing to pin the blame on anyone, does that lack of motivation and lack of spirit come from the manager Pellegrini or is that the player's... They should know. And it wasn't just a derby. It was a derby that had such importance in terms of league positions and qualification for the Champions League. Should they not have been able to motivate themselves? Absolutely. I think that comes from the players themselves. And they've all played in big games before. They've all played in stadiums with great atmospheres where actually they're the, they could they'd be the underdogs, but sometimes they're the ones who are expected to go on and win. That motivation has to come within, but we just didn't see anything like it on Sunday. And obviously, heading into the game, Heading into the game, we weren't playing well and we're low on confidence, having no momentum. That was the one thing that just gave me that hope that we have a, a group of players who know what it means to win a derby, having won the previous four. And then I thought it was quite concerning to see how quickly we gave up. We stopped running, we stopped trying to press them. And even when they were on the attack and we were sat back, we didn't close them down and we gave them all the time in the world to play and it was as if we surrendered. And it was really frustrating as well because both the goals we scored compared to the goals that they scored showed what we can do. And I mean, but our two goals were, I mean, the striker himself, Aguero, you know, easy finishes. But both goals were brilliant build-up play and the sort of play we did last season, you know, looking for the full-backs, overlapping. The both goals actually reminded me of the sort of goals we scored when we did them 6-1. But their goals were you know, they were mid-table Premier League offside, goals. Mostly. Well, yeah, offside. But they were, you know, they were lumping into the box. One was from a set piece. And, you know, it's frustrating to see us concede goals like that and show us what we can do and lose games like that. Can I just say, one of the defining moments for me was when Yaya Torre went on a run, 
got tackled, thought it was a foul, sat there with his arms in the air. Same old. We're a man, sh- we're a man short if he doesn't get back. He doesn't seem to realise that you have to work up back to front, you know, front to back. Play to the whistle as well. Yeah, absolutely. He's always complaining that he's fouled. Nine times out of ten, he's not. And that's just not acceptable. You know, you, you cannot leave your teammates in a hole by sitting there on the ground appealing to the referee that's already decided it's play on. It's interesting you've mentioned Yaya because Gary Neville was quite scathing on Sky about his lack of work rate and Rooney actually mentioned after the game that part of United's plan was they knew that some of City's midfielders weren't interested in tracking back. And I have to say it's not something new with Yaya. We've known that for a while. Why do you think the message isn't getting through to Yaya? Because all the fans can see it, the pundits can see it, anyone who watches the game can see it. Do you think... Pellegrini is blind to it or do you think Yaya is just ignoring orders not a team player and doing what he wants I'd say a bit of both overall um, I think it's interesting I don't think Yaya has the legs anymore um, the role which we want him to play which we've seen him play before is both that of a defensive midfielder and also one who will then go on a driving run and bang in a goal at the other end but actually despite the fact that Fernandinho has been phenomenal in my opinion in the last two games mm. he's not that good to cover the work of someone who were missing in Torre, but he's, he's not got the legs anymore, pure and simple. So I feel sorry for Fernandinho because he's always having to, to do the job of two in that midfield. So you said Yaya hasn't got the legs. Joe, do you think it's time to say bye-bye to Yaya or could we move him into a maybe a more advanced role where we've seen him in the past just off the striker? I don't want to see him there because you need to work hard there as well. He hasn't, like in previous seasons, you know, all our faces have lit up when he's got the ball and just dribbled his way through uh, footballers like knives through butter. But he hasn't been doing that at all this season. Obviously, he scored a good goal at Palace, but he wasn't, he wasn't contributing to all the other play. He was getting slagged off by the fans. I think this summer, if we can get a good price for him from someone like PSG or Inter Milan, I say let him go because we've got two very good young options that we could go for in Barkley and Pogba. I'm not sure we'll get either of them, especially if they look at the team this season. But if we can get either of them, I think perfect time to let Yaya Toure go. Stuart, Yaya took the armband for the second half when company went off injured. Now... I'm interested to get your thoughts on that because after such a a poor first half when he he was one of... And it wasn't just him, I think we should make that clear. There were a few who weren't playing well. But after a first half in which he hadn't run and hadn't committed himself to the team, was that the right decision to give him the armband? Well, it was obviously pre-planned if anything happened to come in that the Ayer would take over. I I don't think he's captaincy material. He's he's a bit selfish. He's he's up at one end. He doesn't get back to the other end. How is he going to motivate players at either end of the pitch or in the middle. In addition to Yaya, there's a few more players that didn't perform and a few more players that will be heading for the exit, I think, hopefully. Well, in terms of the armband, I've seen... Yaya's been vice-captain for the last few years and I've never thought he's the right man for it. There was a, there was a period in 2013... At the, you know when we had that really good January in 2013 where we won all the games and Yaya was in Africa and company was injured and slash suspended at times... And obviously Zaba got the armband and he was perfect for it because he gets everyone going. And, you know, you can say the same for Tevez. OK, he might not have the personality of a captain, but he works his nuts off every game and everyone's going to copy that example. And 
he was a better captain than people might have thought. Personally, I'd have given the armband to Joe Hart. I mean, I know he's the keeper, but he's so vocal. He, he, he was the only one who really looked like he cared at, that we were losing that game. Yeah, it's an interesting point you make. Um, personally, I'm not a massive fan of a goalkeeper, like you mentioned, being captain. But I think there are plenty of other players on that pitch. You know, you, you mentioned the likes of Zabaleta, even someone with such an experience there as Demichelis, who, again, has probably been our best defender this season, which says volumes about his performance. Clichy, yes, he had a shocker, but again, another experienced head who never stops running. You'll see him in the 93rd minute down the left wing, and he'll always bust a gut for the yeah. team. They're the sort of characters, and they're the sort of people we need as captain. Do we have enough of those characters in the squad, though? No. Not at the moment, uh, and I think that's where Stuart's right in terms of there's going to be a massive overhaul, and they're the characters we need. There are too many now who are happy to take their very handsome wage at the end of every week, um, probably get a nice goal bonus, and then that'd be that. Okay, so before we move on to the overhaul, which a couple of you have now mentioned, let's try and take some positives from the game. Did anyone play well for you? Anyone stand out putting in a decent shift? Fernandinho, as you said, he did two men's, two men's job, and he was one of the only players that you didn't feel annoyed with at all at the end of the game. <laughs> Equally, you know, Aguero, all he, he did what he could. He scored the goals with the chance he was given. Brought up 100 for City. Yeah. Yeah. What about Silva? Did anybody think he had a good game? Or? Yeah, he drifted in and out of the game, I thought. Um, first 20 minutes, as we've mentioned, he was untouchable. He looked good, yeah. In the areas where, you know, Sky always analysed him with the box around him. Players couldn't get near him. Um, naturally, as the as the tide sort of drifted ever so slightly, he he did come in and out of the game. But for me, Fernandinho by a country mile for probably the third game in a row, and Silva with a with a main two. Okay, so we've discussed Yaya at length, and we've discussed the changes in the summer. Is it as simple as getting rid of Yaya and everything will be fine? No, we need to get rid of several more players. Um, give me names, Stuart, give me contracts. names. The first one on my list will be Navas, who <laughs> is completely brainless. He's very quick. Um, all he ever does is get us a corner by hitting the ball. We're great at those. We've, oh, yeah. we've, 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 how many corners is it? Oh, no, something like 200. And, might be getting on for 300 corners. I'll look away scoring. when we get a corner. Yeah, we might as well just give it back to the opposition. We'd probably get more out of a goal kick from the opposition. than a, I think we tried a few short corners, didn't we, the other yeah. day? But they're they useless. Well. They're hopeless. We're no good at corners. We are hopeless at throw-ins. <laughs> Why is nobody coaching them how to take a throw-in or how to get in position because, to receive the ball from a throw-in? Because Pellegrini's got a touch of the Wengers about him. He's very yeah. stubborn about yeah. the style of play he wants to play. And he, he doesn't want us to score from corners. He wants our goals to be like the ones we got on, got on uh, Sunday. But I'm sorry, you don't win things without a very... Look at Chelsea. They can score some brilliant goals, but yeah. they get a lot of goals where it's just John Terry heading yeah, home from a corner. Exactly. Sometimes you need to... And under Mancini, you know, we won games. Lescott, company. I can think of some one... There was a 1-0 at Villa. Lescott scored from a corner. 1-0 against United, company. Yeah. 1-0 at Wigan, Jekko from a free kick. You know, when we used to... I think when we looked like a more solid club, um, we could score goals from those sort of scenarios. And at the other end of the pitch, are we now more vulnerable than we've ever been from set pieces? Because it feels to me like every team, the opposition, have a free kick out wide. We can't defend. Mm. I think that's arguably the biggest strength of Edin Dzeko at the moment. Standing on the... Edin Dzeko has a strength. Believe it or strength. not, 
uh, standing at the front post and numerous times at Palace, despite only touching the ball six times and most of those occurrences going straight out of play, he was there at the front post. So that, I'd keep him for that reason alone, I think. I'd blame Manga for that when he played them all on side, didn't he? Can, can I go back to my list of players heading so for the I, exit? I want to question you on Navas. Okay. He is one of the few players in our squad with pace. He's one of the few players in our squad who are natural, who are off a natural width. Maybe he shouldn't start every game or as much as he has done under Pellegrini. Is he not still useful as a squad player? He Especially no, if Milner's going. He has no end product. He's got the worst scoring record of any player in the Premier League. He cannot cross. Um, he does tackle. He does come back a bit. Uh, not too bad tracking back. Um, you have to judge a player on what he actually gives to the team. And he hasn't produced anything for the team. I know he's quick, but that's about his only asset. Okay. He's certainly gone backwards from last year. When last year, we were willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. And he did have some really good games last season. You know, you look at Spurs at home. Some really top games. Scored some important goals, like at Fulham. And, uh, you know, this season, he's just he's gone backwards. He's played more than he played last season. You think, give him a run in the team. It's his second season. How's he going to do? But he's, he's not been very good this year. Okay, so Navas is one that we're getting rid of from this mm-hmm. podcast. Looking in goal, we're we happy with Joe Hart oh, and yes. Caballero as a solid backup. That'll do me fine. fine. Okay, no defence. Do we need to change Pablo and Bakary? Don't necessarily think we need to change them as such. Yes, they're both ageing, but maybe if we can get some money for Sanya, then that'll be some tidy business. And you know what? Let's stick a, a youngster in there. Zabaleta, I still think he's one of those players with a lot of spirit. He loves the club. He wears his heart on his sleeve, and he's the character that we need in the dressing room. So from he's right, lost a lot of pace, I feel. Yes. He so he, he's not had the best season. Do we think after a rest, obviously he had the World Cup coming into this season, yeah. give him a rest, will he be back to his best next I year? I hope so. I, th- I love Pablo Zabaleta just as much as Pablo Zabaleta loves City. <laughs> uh, company is the big problem in my in my book um he's just completely lost his form he's lost his confidence he's a great great player and has been a great player for us but at the moment he's not performing well i'd counter that by saying i'm more worried about zabaleta because he's got the copa america this summer so he'll he won't get a break whereas company obviously you know there's no european or world tournaments this summer so company will get a summer off and i'm fairly confident he'll come back better than last season I Hopefully they can both come back because they are integral to the team. I don't think there's any risk of them, either of them, going. And I, I'm sure company will be back. He's having a fairly torrid last couple of months, not having the greatest season overall, but I think he'll be fine. <laughs> Alongside him is a big question mark, though. Demichelis, as Matt said before, has been City's best centre-back this season and was rewarded with a, another year on his contract. Scored the only goal from a corner as well. Against Arsenal <laughs> earlier this season. <laughs> Is he good enough to be our first choice centre-back next year? I'd say yes. With the backup, look, we've got a young lad over at Celtic who's scored about nine goals this season, Denia, and he's young, he's massive, very, very physical, and yes, perhaps the Scottish League isn't as competitive as something like the Premier League, but hey, he's played every single game. He's played in the Champions League or the Europa League, Mm -hmm. Give him a go. The, the lad's full of confidence. Bring him back. And you know what? He's Belgian as well. Stick him alongside company and let's have that experience <laughs> instead of Demichelis on the bench. So would you push him ahead of Mangala in the pecking order? Purely on confidence reasons, yes. 
There's also Rakik as well, who's been on loan in the Dutch league, which is obviously a superior league to the Scottish league, and has played. I think he played against Reading, didn't he, a couple of years ago. He started a game, he's, and he's more versatile. He can play left back or centre back. I'd like him to play next season. My worry about Karim Rakic is, I think in the Premier League he's probably too small to become a centre back. However, yes, like you mentioned, Joe, we have the option of having him as a left back. He experienced, played a lot of games, gets football now. Again, bring these lads back. He's had a couple of years out on loan, and there's been very few rumours that he will come back into the squad. Do you think he might be one that City will just look to ship out in the summer? Probably, yeah. That's the, that's the way they seem to do it. They're, not many loanees ever come back. I mean, have you, have you noticed anybody recently that came back from a loan and did well? Or even just came back? <laughs> <laughs> well, there was a couple of years ago, Gidetti had that great season yeah. in Holland and we all thought, how good's he going to be? Yeah. But he just had that freak injury and now he's, you know, he can't, despite a good start of the season, he can't even get in Celtic's team anymore. Yeah. Okay, so we're happy going into next season with Company, Mangala, Demichelis and one of the two out on loan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So we moving along to the left of defence, and this has been a problem area for City over the past few years. We've got Clichy, who had a, a struggle against United, but has had, I think, a decent season, mm-hmm. and has the added bonus of being counting for the English quota, which we're going to struggle for. And then Alex Kolarov. Um, goodbye, Alex. You've had a few good years. Well, I say that you've had one good year. You've had a lot of crap years. One good shot. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, you've done some good for the club, but now it's time to go for Kolarov, I think. 100% agree. Totally. As it happens, Alex Kolarov, true story, has blocked me on Twitter, which is nice because it shows that he can actually block something. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, um, Fernando started his website this week and he said it was up and running. It's probably slow like him. Uh, very good. Wonder where you got that one. Yeah, I wonder. So we're getting rid of Kolarov, and we've talked about Angelino. So moving into midfield, Stewart's not happy with Navas. Yeah, yeah, we've discussed at length. Joe's just mentioned Fernando. Now he's only one season into his City career, but yeah. he he hasn't stood out, has he? Come on, compared we got rid of Javi Garcia, and a lot of fans slagged and slated uh, Javi Garcia off, but. He is a heck of a lot better than Fernando. He's running in treacle all the time, always out of position. If we get half the money we spent on him back, we've done very good business. I I agree. He's he's not good enough. I I don't know where he came from in terms of our scouting development situation, but he's not not a City player. He's not a Premier League top four player. I think we need to have words with our scout in Portugal after Garcia, Fernando and Mangala. And we've managed somehow to sign a holding midfielder from the Portuguese league who's worse did, than Garcia. They did bring us Lopez, who, touch wood, yeah. might, be a bit, might be back in the team soon. OK, so he's another one who's been out on loan at, in France this season. Yeah, and he's playing well, apparently. Played very well. There was an interview in the Daily Mail with him a couple yeah. of weeks ago, I think, when he said he doesn't want to come back to City to sit on the bench. Well, he doesn't want right, to come yeah. back and be brought into the team you know, for the odd cup game. He wants to play. Now, if he came back, would he get that chance? If we, if, we, um, if we release Milner this summer, which is looking increasingly likely, and if Nasri goes, as a lot of people have suggested, there's two people missing in that sort of position. And I say, yes, bring him in. I say, thank you, Lopez, but no thank you. Because if we're getting rid of these players, like your Nasri's, like your Navas's, like your Milner's, 
we're getting rid of them so that we can recoup and spend some big money on some world-class players. Mm. Lopez won't get anywhere near this team. And yes, he's played well in France. And good luck to him, but no. Okay, so Nasri, keep him, let him go. What do you think, Stuart? I like Nasri, but he's not performed. Another player hasn't done what he should have done this season. Um, I don't know, he scored some great goals for us. He scored a great goal at Roma. That, that wasn't so long ago. He scored a fantastic goal at Wembley against Sunderland. He scored the first goal against West Ham when we needed to win to win the league or draw. Um, but he's, he seems to be too temperamental to fit into any sort of plan. I don't know. His biggest fan is sitting on my right. That's so, Joe. That's yeah. Joe. Um, Stick up for him, Joe. Can you? Okay, um, well, I'll try and stick up for him. I will say that this season he was doing fine. He's, I think his biggest problem is he's been talking a lot this season at the press. He hasn't backed that up with performances. He was very poor against Liverpool. He was very poor against Barcelona. I think it's a bit unfair that it seems like it's only really been those two games that really let him down. Because the game before, games before Liverpool... You know, he scored a great goal at Stoke, scored a great goal. He was doing fine, then he just had a really poor game at Liverpool. And since then, you know, suddenly, I don't think he's been given enough of a chance. It's not like Hart, who got about four or five, six really bad mistakes where he gets dropped. Company has two really poor months, gets dropped. Nasri only had two, well, one and a half poor games. And now he's suddenly dropped and is leaving and is public enemy number one and everything. And I think that's a bit unfair. So, no, I keep Nasri. Okay, so you'd keep him and Stuart and Matt and I would have to join in and make it three who would say, thank you, but it's time to go, Samir. So we seem to be decimating the squad at the moment and then we've got strikers to deal with. I'm sure we'd all say keep Aguero, Boney will stay. Too small. Um, Dzeko and Jovetic. Jovetic keep. The stunned silence, I think, sums it up there uh, very, very well. Uh, Jovetic, we've got to get... I think I'd even get rid of Bonnie, you know, at this rate. He's got, only played about five oh, games. But that <laughs> no, proves a point in itself. Um, yeah, Dzeko, he's done some fantastic things this club. Let's not deny this. I'm, I'm a big, big fan of Dzeko. I like him a lot. He can have some <laughs> terrible games. I'll hold my hands up. But equally, he's scored some vitally important goals. And that's why people love Yaya, let's not forget. Um, but the time is right for Edin to move on. He will be successful wherever he goes next. I'm absolutely sure of it. Jovetic... These little flicks, here, there and everywhere, he's not done enough to prove to me and a lot of the fans at City who, who I know to justify a place in the team. He, he's not really a striker, but he's not really a midfielder. I don't know where he fits in the system. So for me, he, again, he's young, he's very, very talented, but not quite the right fit for City or the Premier League. I think it was extremely uh, telling that he was left out of our Champions League squad. If he's not good enough for that, it's not good enough for the team, full stop. He, he's too lightweight, in my opinion. He, he doesn't really score that many goals either. Um, Dzeko has to go. He's, as, as Matt was saying, Max was saying, he's scored some fantastic goals for us. I don't, I don't mean fantastic goals. Important goals. Some really, yeah. really... I mean, the equaliser against QPR. You know, without that goal, we wouldn't, be, you know, we wouldn't have been champions. Um, but his work rate on occasion is awful. His first touch is worse than Sean Goethe's was initially, although he did improve. He, he, he just looks completely not interested on many occasions, and that's not good enough. He's so not 100% every week like Aguero 
You know, Aguero has a certain level of form which he maintains over a whole season. Dzeko, he might hit the heights in a couple of games, but then he'll go back to, into his shell and just be awful. I mean, at Crystal Palace, he had no shots on target. He lost the ball five times. He, he, was, he was awful. He was abs- his pass success rate was 51%. That's quite good for him. Um, <laughs> so better games. so we've ruined the squad. We've got, we've got rid of half of them. And now I guess we come to the manager. Now I've read, I've jotted down here, 11 names who've been linked with City's <laughs> job to replace Pellegrini over the past 48 hours. I want a one-word answer. Do you think they'll come from each of you? Klopp? No. 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 Simeone? Nope. 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 Guardiola? 2017. That's only 90. Yeah, a yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, couple of years, yeah. If we could get him, yes, fantastic. But he's, he's liable to stay at least another year at uh, Real Madrid. At, where is he? Bayern. Bayern Munich, sorry. Ancelotti? Nope. Yes. Possibly. Benitez? Yes. Nope. No. Nope. Why did you say yes, Matt? I think he can handle a lot of egos in a changing room. And I think with the transfer targets which have been suggested at City, that is exactly what's required. Very successful. So you're thinking in terms of an interim for one year while we wait for Guardiola? Correct. Is that not a risky approach to, to put all our eggs into the Guardiola basket? I think it is. However, I don't think we would... If we... If that... If <laughs> talks must be going on behind the scenes and if Guardiola wasn't possible Pellegrini will be gone at the end of the season and a manager of high calibre will be in if somebody of Benitez with a year to go is suggested you know what, I think he'll do a good job as interim if not, I think Pellegrini will stay and will wait Okay, so all the names that have been linked will race through Sabella, Pochettino, De Boer, Koeman at Southampton Jorge Jesus at Benfica and an interesting one in Vieira who yeah. we mentioned before yeah. another risk I mean he hasn't managed at this level um, too much of a risk for a club of our stature or our previous stature mm. ok so we're not sure who's going to be in charge we're not sure what players are going to be here next season with just a handful of games remaining this campaign are we now looking up with four home fixtures out of six, and for all the the poor form, we've lost six of the last eight games, but we've won the last three home games, 5-0, 3-0 and 2-0, so we've still got that to cling to. Four of six games remaining at home, the next two of which are against West Ham and Villa. Are we now looking up to try and reclaim third place and automatic qualification, or are we looking behind us at Liverpool and trying to cling on to the top four? We're looking up because we have only really got one more quite hard looking fixture this season in Spurs away yeah. but Spurs you know they, they've struggled a bit they've they dropped a very poor result against Villa Chelsea have still got to play Arsenal and United Arsenal have still got to play Chelsea and United United have still got to play Chelsea and Arsenal they're going to drop points yeah. I'm, I'm fairly sure we'll finish at least third I assuming think, we take our game seriously I think the Spurs game might be easier than we think they, they are trying to finish out of the Europa League places so they're going to have to lose all their games. Plus, let's not forget Liverpool are playing teams in and around the relegation zone like QPR, like Hull, like West Brom, who are even being dragged into it now. They'll be fighting for their lives. And yes, so will Villa. But actually, you know, we're playing Swansea, Southampton, West Ham. These teams are relatively safe, let's say. So hopefully they'll just have a very subdued end of the season and we'll 
whoop them all and reclaim third. Excellent positivity. Let's see if we can carry that on. Next game is home on Sunday at half one to West Ham. Predictions, Matt? 3 0. 2 1. 3 1. Clean sweep. I think that's that for today. So I just want to thank Stuart, Joe, and Matt. Hopefully, Nigel will be back next week. And that's all from the Man City Show. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me. And you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.